Hey everybody, welcome to episode 205 of the Running Rogue Podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from Austin, Texas, and I'm going to keep this intro quick today as we've got a fairly dense topic to dig in on. You may have heard the term heart rate variability recently. It's something that is going around in this craze of data tracking and digital tracking that we've seen as we've seen the proliferation of wearable devices like the Aura Ring, like the Whoop Band, and other things. And many of those devices track this thing called heart rate variability. And you may have heard it in some ways applied to how you might think about recovery and to think about being ready for your training. And so what we're going to try to do with guest Jason Brooks today is break down heart rate variability and talk about what it means and try to simplify that term so that you understand it a little bit more and potentially can then start applying it in your own training if you have one of these devices. And we will also tell you about some devices you could get as well as some apps you can download if you want to start tracking this data on heart rate variability. So with that as a quick intro, we'll jump into my conversation with Jason on this topic. Here we go. HRV, Jason, heart rate variability and we'll go we'll talk about what it is what it means and then how do you track it <laughs> those are kind of the fundamental elements of what we'll talk about but hurry variability what is it first of all jason okay uh so i'll take a step back for a second and talk about uh two kind of higher level concepts one is that uh, as coaches what we're trying to do is make sure that we get athletes to a place of preparedness for intense training. So a foundations program like this is actually squarely focused on that. And then we try to teach athletes how to take over understanding their readiness to train. And so these are two distinct concepts, the the preparedness, making sure you sort of have like the foundation and the health structure in place to train intensely And then there's a readiness, making the day-to-day decisions about training. And there are some tools we can use, one of them being heart rate variability, which we're talking about today. And so I want to just go back. The second thing is we talked, um, I think it was week three, about total stress and um, this concept that the body always seeks a state of homeostasis. And so heart rate variability has become this widely used tool for evaluating the autonomic nervous system so that you can assess, so like the functional state of readiness on a daily basis. And in the autonomic nervous system, we have two branches, sympathetic and parasympathetic. And this autonomic nervous system is what regulates that homeostatic function in the body. So as we're trying to make our way back to homeostasis, this is what we're using. This is what our body is using as the autonomic nervous system and in this balance between sympathetic and parasympathetic. And so human beings, we're basically in a perpetual cycle of this, of either homeostatic disturbance, which is a sympathetic input on the nervous system. So if we say start exercising, we activate our sympathetic nervous system, which invokes stress responses that help us adapt to the fact that we're exercising. 
Then there's homeostatic restoration, which is a parasympathetic input. So this is our body's way of recovering and, and coming down off of that sympathetic stress response. And then there's homeostasis, the autonomic balance. So that's when we achieve homeostasis after the interplay between sympathetic and parasympathetic responses in our autonomic nervous system. And so we can analyze this autonomic nervous system and its state of balance through HRV. And so it can just be an effective method of monitoring training status. And um, it's a relatively simple, non-invasive process. And um, so I guess that's like, the, that's the high level mm -hmm. overview on HRV and, and what it is. I guess yeah. more simply, it is really measuring the heart rhythm and our heart beats at um, like an arrhythmic interval, right? It's not an even interval. And so by, by measuring the frequency between heartbeats, we can understand whether or not the body is in a balanced state a homeostasis or is it a higher state of parasympathetics or a higher state of sympathetics and either one of those can tell us whether or not the body is in like a high stress state and which would be non-optimal for intense training or in a high sort of parasympathetic state it's like the brake system bring trying to bring the body back off of that sympathetic state and, and invoke recovery in the body. And so if we're in either one of those states, we're in a non-optimal high intensity training state, meaning that we don't have as much capacity for adaptation. Um, so, so both looking at cardiovascular and muscle energy metabolism, it, we, we basically constrain our body's ability to perform at an optimal level and to gain the highest level of adaptation from the training stimulus if we're outside of that, and especially far outside of that homeostatic balance. Uh, I'll stop there. So a lot of big words there. And so I want to break this down more simply. First, by just making sure people understand when we say heart rate variability, what does that mean? And that's the variability in the time between your heartbeats. So if your heart beats on average once a second, and that's 60 beats per minute, fairly normal average for a trained athlete. Your heart rate's beating once a second, then the question is, how does that vary from heartbeat to heartbeat? Sometimes it might be 1.2 seconds. Sometimes it might be 0.8 seconds. Sometimes it might be 1.1, 0.9. You know, there's some variability in those heartbeats, even though the average is every second. And so what we're measuring with heart rate variability is to what extent do you have variability in the time between your heart beats? And if you're in a place where your heart beating every second on the second, that's when you're in a, a sympathetic state because your body's basically ready to go. It's It's got everything locked in. It's got your heart rate dialed in. It's saying, okay, I have to be ready for some, some, something. And this kind of gets to our flight fight response as humans or as a, you know, as a mammal even. 
And so if your heart rate variability is low and you know your heart's just beating on a consistent cadence, then that's a sign that your body's in flight or fight mode. It's ready to go. It's ready to handle something that might be coming its way. And it's not a bad thing because it's just indicating the state of readiness to do something. And recognizing that, you know, there's there's little room for error perhaps in a flight or fight situation. And so the heart rate responds accordingly. On the other side, if your heart is beating more casually in a sense that sometimes it's every second, sometimes it's every one and a half seconds, it's just kind of beating when it feels like it needs to, to keep you alive, you have greater heart rate variability, then that's a sign that you're in a more relaxed state. You're in that parasympathetic state. Your body's not in a flight or fight mode. It's not ready to go do work. And so you're theoretically more relaxed, more recovered. And that's a sign that you're actually ready to receive stimulus that you can put to work for you which we'll talk about in a second. But that's kind of what we're talking about when we talk about heart rate variability. Now, before we go much further, though, I do want to ask this question, Jason, which is I would imagine there's some people listening and they're thinking, wow, this is complicated or confusing or why are we so focused on this metric? So why in a base training cycle like this specifically because obviously we can also talk about applications in a training world but in a base in a in a more regular cycle but in a base training world why is this important why are we talking about it in week four that's yeah so great question um two reasons one we need to build a new routine which can be difficult um and so giving the time to build that routine in a base training phase is helpful. It also gives a relatively controlled environment for building a baseline. And that's important for two reasons. Um, One, we can see how environmental stressors affect us from a physiological standpoint without also having the external stressor of high intensity exercise. And, and so that helps us a little bit down the line too, as we introduce high intensity exercise and we can see how that affects our day-to-day physiological status, how well we're recovering, how well we're responding to training adaptations. And it also gives us a good runway for building uh, a larger data set. So one of the most powerful things about heart rate variability and using it as a training tool is building the trend analysis over time. And so we want to be able to build the routine. Uh, we want to do it in a relatively low stress environment from a training standpoint. And we also want to start to build a little bit of our trend analysis before we get into a period into the future where we're doing a lot of high intensity training. Yes, all of those things, yes. And this also, because of that trend analysis, as we'll talk about it, you should also be able to see through a base training program like this that your heart rate variability trends in a in a upward direction and that you have greater heart rate variability as you go, which is a sign that you're building fitness and resilience to the stressors that we're putting on the system. 
And if at any point you start to see it go the opposite direction, I'm not talking about on a daily basis, but I'm talking about on a trend line basis, then that's a sign that we've overdone it, that we've pushed you over the edge, that it's time to back off and regain that homeostasis before we can build safely again. So it's while this is an advanced concept, and again, you can take it just like all of these concepts, you can take it or leave it while it's an advanced concept, it can be a really useful concept especially if you start learning it now because you can establish a baseline and some trend lines that will help inform what's coming in a perhaps future phase of work for you. And so that's why we introduce it. I'm also as a coach of the mind that, and it's interesting, I was, I was watching kind of side anecdote. I was watching my daughter, she's seven, coach, uh, play soccer. She's playing soccer right now and I was watching her at practice last Friday and she's got another practice today and her coach who is a coach I'm familiar with because he actually used to coach my sons when they were at a younger age and I know he's a good coach because I've seen him work with my sons before and but they were a little bit older when they were working with him probably in the 9 to 10 range and so I know he's a good coach but I've never seen him coach, you know, a seven-year-old, my daughter's age. I've never seen him coach girls. And so I was just curious, you know, how he was going to apply, you know, the things I've seen him apply with older boys to younger girls who are still learning and kind of figuring out the game. And the thing I like about it, the thing I like about his approach, which I've liked about his approach all along, is that he treats those girls like they have the ability to learn the concepts. You know, he doesn't pander to their age or to their gender in a way that that sort of puts them in a lesser place or that thinks that they're not able to, you know, learn or think about or, or understand more complex soccer concepts. And of course, while he's tailoring his approach to their age and their current skill level, he still introduces the, the, the aspirational concepts to them and treats them like, you know, young women. And, and I can see, you know, it working. And while maybe some of the things, you know, they're missing, they're, they're getting and absorbing always more than you think. And so he's doing that with them at seven years old. And I really appreciate the fact that he's not pandering to their age or their gender or making assumptions about things that they can't learn because of where they are. And so as a coach, I like to bring those same concepts to bear with adults, which is to say, I don't care where you are in your running journey, whether you're a beginner or whether you're more advanced, more experienced, or whether you're coming back from something and trying to rebuild. I don't care where you are. From my perspective, it's important to teach these concepts. And yes, you can choose to ignore and say, oh, that's too much for me. I don't want to go there. But still, you have the tools because everyone is worthy, as I've said on the main podcast recently, everyone is worthy of the same tools and principles and concepts, you know, that the fastest elite is using. And so we're going to introduce these things and treat everybody here like they're adults who can learn and apply. Of course, you then get to make the decision as, as an owner of your own journey whether or not to use it. But we're never going to make assumptions about, well, this is too much. They can't handle that. 
And so here we are talking about heart rate variability, which is a pretty advanced concept in a base training program because we think it's important in the bigger context of things. So I wanted to to just set that tone so people understand why we're here. Let's talk about how we use this or what we want to look for in heart rate variability. And, and maybe actually before we get there, we should talk about tracking. I think, you know, this will probably make more sense in the context of how do you actually track this data. So tee up quickly, Jason, what are the options for testing your heart rate variability? It's actually pretty easy. Yeah, there's a lot of <clears throat> wearable technology on the market now that you can use and then non-wearable technologies. So you can use something like a whoop strap or an aura ring. Um, Chris can talk a little bit about the aura ring since he has it. Non-wearables, um, the sort of like gold standard on the market, which is an expensive and somewhat complex but very rich technology is something called Omega Wave. And then um, there's a simpler form of the technology, which I use and tend to advocate, which is called HRV4. That's the number for training. It's an iOS and Android app that uses your phone camera to take a 60-second snapshot um, of your heart rate variability. And so you just grab the phone first thing when you wake up, hold your finger over the camera and flash. It runs a 60-second interval. You can also set it at three minutes and five. I, I find that 60 seconds works the best. Um, and then that will give you an output right there. And it's a little bit simpler. It's just looking at HRV and giving you a general sense of um, reading the parasympathetic state of your autonomic nervous system. And so those are a few different tools that you can use. And um, I, I would say that one important note is the more you use it, the more you will get from it. So if you can get seven days per week of reading, that's that's kind of your ideal state. Um, I think HRV4 training asks for at least four days a week to give meaningful insights. And so if you can get you know somewhere closer to seven, that's ideal. If you have a wearable technology, that's kind of taking real-time readings throughout the day rather than a, a once-per-day snapshot. So if you're doing something like HRV4 training or Omega Wave where you take one snapshot per day, you also want to be consistent about all of the environmental conditions. So if you take it, take that reading first thing when you wake up in the morning, then always take it first thing when you wake up in the morning, which is the ideal time to do it. Um, but whenever you do fig you know, fit that into your schedule, make sure you're consistent about always doing it the same way. So that's taking the measurement and some of the technologies that you can use for it. The other thing I'll say about HRV for training is that it's only $10. It's a lifetime, one-time fee, 10 bucks. You get the mobile app, super easy to use. Um, doesn't require you to have any additional wearable technology and it's not an expensive, complicated system. So I feel like it's good compromise uh, from a financial standpoint, but also very effective. And it has really great um, analytics tools in the app for acute and um, long-term HRV trends. 
Yes. And if you go the app route, the HRV4 training app, to me, I just recommend to my runners that they just wake up and get in the habit of quickly getting a reading every morning right after they wake up so that they know exactly where that they, they stand at the beginning of the day. Again, it only takes a few seconds. The app also allows you to log other variables in terms of your day that might affect where you are with an HRV from an HRV standpoint so that you can see and correlate potential behaviors uh, to the outcomes that you're seeing on the app. Like, did you drink the night before? How much sleep did you get? Things like that. Yeah, quality so I think of sleep. That's helpful. Yeah, so that's helpful to correlate some things. And then the wearables is obviously another way where you can do that in a really easy way without having to necessarily think about it. I have the Aura Ring. It's my wife got it to for me for Christmas. Aura is spelled O U R A. It's a little bit pricey. I think it's like 350 bucks or so. But I wear it around my ring finger on my right hand and don't have to think about it. And it's tracking not just HRV, but resting heart rate, body temperature, respiratory rate, and some other variables, particularly overnight. And it's, it's tracking your sleep cycles as well so that you can see how your sleep is doing. You also have the ability to tag different days with you know, other behaviors on that day that can correlate some things to the data that you're seeing. And so I've been now wearing it since January and I've learned a lot from it. I would say we'll talk about some of those insights in a minute. The whoop band is another uh, opportunity. That one I believe has a monthly fee associated with it. So it's a little bit different in terms of the fee structure and the model, but also a concept that works and you've probably seen, you know, I think the PGA tour guys were wearing the whoop band. I believe the NBA side of the world was going with the aura ring in terms of tracking data inside their respective bubbles. And so you've probably seen a little bit of that stuff from, from uh, the elite level of athletes recently as well, but it's, it's fascinating. And so let's talk about, what to do with it once you start to collect some data because and I think your point, Jason, of this is what's what's less important than than maybe what you're seeing on a given day is what you're seeing over time and the trends that you go. But but let's go back to a given day because I do think that sometimes HRV is painted in that respect of saying, okay, well, if I have a low HRV on a given day, what does that mean? If I have a high HRV on a given day, what does that mean? And so let's just start there. And then we can broaden and talk about, you know, trend lines. Okay. <clears throat> while, so while trend analysis is important, I think the acute HRV trends are really the most valuable insight that you get out of using HRV as a training tool. And and so, but first I'll say that um, HRV, it's not a metric to be optimized towards some specific value. That's not what we're trying to accomplish. It's really this continuous feedback mechanism that we can use to understand or, or create really more awareness of, of the overall level of stress in our bodies so that 
we can make day-to-day adjustments that are aimed at eventually optimizing recovery and improving performance. And so what you'll see is that while um, it's often possible for us to fully recover from hard training loads, and and we'll often see that most days when you look at your HRV, you'll get a green light on progress with your training, right? You've been able to recover. You got a good night's sleep. You ate well. Your exercise load wasn't too demanding. But there will also be days where life presents all of these extra challenges. Uh, and that could be like, I don't know, exams, financial struggles, relationship problems, uh, too much uh, comparative psychology through social media. Uh, or other sort of social pressures, and that will that will affect your recovery mechanisms pr- primarily through the overstimulation of the sympathetic nervous system, and um, that will compromise our ability to positively adapt to certain training loads. And so, as we get down the road in using HRV from an acute standpoint, uh, if I wake up on a Tuesday and I'm planning. Um, my quality workout for the week on that Tuesday, but I get an HRV score that shows I have a high state of um, stress and I'm not really ready to train that day. I have to take it as a signal to possibly adjust what I'm going to do with my training. I, I could go out and do that workout, but I won't be able to optimize my performance because my body is already in a high state of stress, which means that my capacity to take on more stress that day starts out limited. And that means that I won't be able to achieve the highest level of performance and get the greatest adaptation gains from that workout. Also means that I'm at a higher exposure to injury. And so if I get up and I get this poor heart rate variability reading or, you know, this indication that like maybe I should stand back and then I can look at some of my subjective um, measures and kind of see like maybe I didn't sleep well last night or maybe you know, I, I had like a bunch of trouble with my dog the day before or some other issue in my life, the stock market crashed and I lost $50,000 or whatever, uh, I, I can then compare kind of these subjective measures with the objective measures and make a call about whether or not I should go out and train on train hard on that particular day. Maybe I should lay up and wait a couple of days to see how my body recovers. And then I could plan for like a Thursday quality workout instead of that Tuesday. Uh, Now that all assumes that you also have the ability to manage your day to day, um, routine like that from a training standpoint that you're not training with a group in person that you're training on your own that you have the ability to shift things and so um, so so on an acute basis that's the best thing and then from a trend analysis you, you know what you really get insights on or as chris mentioned your sort of improvement in overall fitness over longer periods of time, seeing how you get benefits from things like a base development phase where you really focus on building the cardiovascular, respiratory, energy, metabolism, infrastructure to train better uh, or to add more intensity later. And you can also see um, really interesting 
acute trends show up in the long-term trend analysis, like how things like going to holiday parties or going hard on your birthday or something like that might affect um, your homeostasis trends over time. And so you can see what a night of drinking, eating fried food and not sleeping well will do to your overall physiology. And those can be powerful insights as well. And it, And so, again, all of these things just help raise awareness about how our body responds to all of the types of stressors we might have in our life, whether those are physical, emotional, or psychological, as we discussed previously. Yep. And again, these are data points, you know, to provide information to help you make decisions. It's not an end all and be all. I think that's the thing to emphasize. You know, I've had one of the misnomers I think about HRV is that if someone wakes up with a low score, they're not ready to do work on that day at all. Or that if they woke, woke up with a low score on race day, that that would be a problem. And that's not necessarily true. You know, if you have a low HRV, you're in flight or fight mode, you're actually ready, really ready to do work. The question is, how are you going to be able to receive that work? And we did a one mile race associated with our run for all race series. And we had a one mile TT time trial with my group last week to do that race. And one woman woke up and she's like, Oh, my HRV is low. I'm not going to be able to do this today. I'm like, no, actually you're fine. You're fine to do this today. You know, your body's ready, but that just means that on the other side, we need to be careful about recovering so that you can make sure you get back to a, a decent HRV level before we start to add in more load. So It's just a data point that provides information. And I think at the most basic fundamental level, it's a sign of how ready you are to receive the training that you're going to do. And if your HRV score is good, then you're ready to receive training on that day. If it's not good, or if it, I shouldn't say good or bad, if it's lower, then, you know, you're not as ready to receive training on that day. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to move it, but if you can, that's obviously ideal. And if you can't, that's okay. It just means you need to make sure you're you're smart on the other side about recovery because you were in a flight or fight mode when you were doing that work. And then as it relates to trend lines, one thing I've noticed having now tracked my data for since January for nine months is that as my fitness builds, generally my heart rate variability averages have built. I started actually wearing this thing back in January when I wasn't, I was in the middle of a marathon training cycle, but at the time I was not training fully because I was recovering from an injury. And so my heart rate variability was a little bit lower, but then over the subsequent months up through July, it was building, building, building because I was pretty consistent with my training through the pandemic. And now in the last couple of months in August and September, it's been coming back down because I'm detra- I'm in a detraining mode because I'm recovering from an injury again. And so it's just interesting to see those trends. And I think in the context of a training cycle, if I'm building fitness, I want to see that heart rate variability trending upwards. And then if I were to somehow cross the line or get to a place where I wasn't building fitness and I was doing too much or, or tearing myself down, then I think you would see that plateau or come back down. And that would be a sign as it relates to the trend that maybe I'd done too much and I may or may not be able to apply that in the given cycle. It may have already been, you know, 
it may already be passed, but I could then take that into future cycles and say, okay, I found my limit here in this cycle by doing X, Y, and Z. Now, next time I go into a cycle, I'm going to make these adjustments so that I don't see that same, you know, blip in HRV. So that's a lot to throw at you. I think the key thing, as we've said, isn't necessarily that you can fully absorb everything we're telling you or that you're going to be able to solve some magical problem by downloading an app and putting your finger to the camera. What we're saying is (laughs) at the most basic level, just start tracking it. Just start tracking it. Don't even worry if you're overwhelmed by what we're saying in terms of application. Don't even worry about that yet. Just download the app or get one of the devices and just start tracking it. So you're starting to establish your baseline. And then over time, you're going to be able to see and apply how it works because you're going to have data that relates to you to look at and use. So bringing it back to the simple. Making the complex simple. That's what we do. (laughs) Always trying. So what else? What are we missing on this topic, Jason, if if anything? I don't think that we're missing anything. We... I think we went thoroughly through this one. Okay. So perfect. So then so then that's your takeaway. If this is something that you find interesting and you want to dig on it in on it, you know, maybe you want to listen to this talk a couple of times just to kind of pick up the nuances of the application. But more than that, just download the app HRV4 training on iPhone or Android or grab yourself an aura ring or whoop band, start tracking the data, establish your baselines. And then we can start to put some of that to work over time as you learn more. So that's that. That's HRV in a relatively short nutshell. So there you go, everyone. 30 minutes on heart rate variability. Hopefully that demystified that term a little bit for you and gave you some ways to think about applying it. I do think it's important also to remember that above all else, This data, like HRV, is helpful and useful as a tool, but more than that, you have to listen to your body. Learn to listen to your body and what it's telling you and how you feel, and that ultimately will be the best indicator of whether or not you're ready to train on a given day versus some data you might get from a wearable. So keep that in mind above all else. But yes, these tools can be helpful as inputs to your training process but not necessarily as the end-all and be-all of every single decision. So with that, we'll wrap this episode. And of course, you can check us out at roguerunning.com. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, you can also follow me on Instagram at roguechris or follow Rogue on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at roguerunning. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.